Hey everybody, how's it going? Oh, that was really weak. We, we need to try, yeah, yeah, there we go. It's, it's picking up, yeah. <laughs> Man, it is so good to see you guys. You guys are looking good tonight. Man, for a Thursday night, rainy week. Anybody excited that tomorrow's Friday? Any? Okay, awesome. Man, it is so good to see you guys. We're, we are so excited about what God is going to do over the next few days as we get to hang out together. Uh, my name's Paul, and I'm one of the pastors. There are a lot of pastors from a lot of churches here tonight. And, and before we even dive in, I, I would just love, impact doesn't happen without hundreds of people, hundreds of adults from different churches all across our area who worked really, really hard to allow you to get to come be a part of something where you can just enjoy being with your friends and see Jesus and, and praise his name. So could we just say a huge thank you to everybody who's made this possible, this moment possible? Yeah. I just want to challenge you. Over the next few days, you're going to see a lot of people with door holder shirts on. Give them a high five. Give them a, an awkward side hug, whatever that is. Just say thank you to, to the leaders who brought you here. The reason why impact happens is because there are, are literally hundreds of adults who love you. They love Jesus and they love you. And they want to help you love and follow Jesus with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Because we know and we believe that that's where life, that's where joy, that's, that's where that's found. And so just encourage them. Um, and I'm just so thankful for us to be able to get started tonight. And we're talking about kingdom come. And so if you have a Bible with you, I would just encourage you to turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Matthew all weekend long. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, some people have called it the King's Sermon. Uh, it's Jesus for three chapters teaching these people on this mountain about the kingdom of heaven. And that's why we're talking about kingdom come. That, that There's this prayer, and you see it on the screens behind me, that comes from Matthew chapter 6. God's people are listening to Jesus speak and they ask him lord disciples ask him would you teach us to pray we see it in one of the other books and jesus says when you pray pray like this our father in heaven hallowed be your name holy is your name may your name be made great your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread forgive us our debts as we forgive those who've sinned against us Deliver us from evil and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And a lot of times we'll go on to say, for thine is the power, the kingdom, the glory forever. Amen. And it's this prayer that Jesus taught to these people that we pray today. And it centers on this idea, our Father in heaven, may you be glorified, may your name be lifted high. And that's what impact is all about. The reason why we do impact and it's churches from all around our areas because we are praying that God would raise up a generation of high school and middle school and college students who would love him more than anything else in this world. And that you would live your life for the glory of King Jesus because there's no greater purpose in this world. And so that's what we're praying would happen, that this prayer would become your prayer, that it would be our prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. This is, what does that mean? Jesus, we're, we're going to get into Matthew 6 in the next few minutes, but when Jesus says your kingdom come, he's not saying that oh, one day your kingdom is going to come. He's not talking about heaven when heaven comes and we're a part of that. Uh, 
God's kingdom, his rule and reign is here and now. God is the king. He is the king today, right now. And what this prayer is, is not that, hey, one day can your kingdom come and we get to be a part of that, but no, let us see that your kingdom is actually here. Let us be a part of what you are doing today. The psalmist prayed a different prayer in Psalm 127. It's really familiar. He said, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And that prayer is saying, Lord, we don't want to be a part of building our houses, building our kingdoms. We want to be a part of building your kingdom. And so this is what we're praying that God would do, is that God would, in this room, that God would change your heart, that God would change my heart, that we would long to be a part of what God's doing to live our lives for his kingdom instead of our kingdom. And so over the next few days, you're going to hear from just some incredible speakers, uh, community group leaders, worship leaders, and we're all coming around this idea of, Lord, let your kingdom come here, now, today, in this place. And let us, please, God, be part of making your name known. And so that's what we want to see happen. We're, we're praying that out of this room that God would raise up men and women who would uh, be missionaries, who would be church planners, who would be pastors, who would go to the hardest places around our country, the hardest places around the world for the sake of the gospel because we love his kingdom over our kingdom. One of the reasons why we do impact is we're praying that with All the people in this room, a lot of you go to different churches, but you go to the same schools. You have the same mission field, and that this weekend you would connect with some other Jesus followers and say, together, let's pray that God's kingdom would come and his will be done in our school. And that you lock arms with some other friends who are going to be here this weekend and say, you know what, Lord, please do this prayer in us and in our school. Let us be the agents of change. But before we can talk about what does it mean to live for God's kingdom, we got to take a step back and say, okay, what does it actually mean to be living for a kingdom? And how does that intersect with our lives? And so Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 19. And and what I want to do is just kind of set us up for this weekend, set up the ideas of kind of what we're praying God would do. And that you be able to take these things back to your home tonight, back to your church groups tonight, and pray through these things, back to your school tomorrow, and and really wrestle through them. And and the question I want to ask you tonight that I really want you to wrestle with is, who is your king? Who is your king? Every single human being that has ever existed on the planet since creation began has lived for a king. Who's, who's your king? Who's my king? Who, who is ruling and reigning in our lives? Who are we living for? And this is the question that, that Jesus answers in Matthew chapter 6. And so I just want us to read this together. Matthew 6 verse 19. Jesus said this, Do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moss and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. 
hey, I just want to pray for us again. I want to pray for you and, and that God in the next few minutes we have together would just open your eyes, the Holy Spirit would open your eyes to see what he wants you to see. And I just want to invite you to pray that prayer too. God, please reveal yourself to me. But not just pray that prayer about you, but pray that person about the person to your right or to your left. Hopefully you know who they are by now. And just pray for them in this moment as I pray for you and pray for me. Father God, we, we need you. I need you. Apart from you, I can't do anything. I'm nothing. I can't bring your word to life. Only the Holy Spirit can. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd move in this place. That you'd move every distraction out of the way, every cell phone out of the way, every artist or speaker or event, anything that would just keep us from seeing you, that you would move those things out of the way. God, we need you as we prayed and we sang. We need your mercy. We're, we're in darkness without you. We're blind to the truth apart from you. Father, many people in this room, they come in with fears, they come in with brokenness, they come in with hurt and pain and frustration and discouragement. Some come in this room and they're just confused about what to do with their lives and situations in their lives. Some come in this night and it's been the best week of their life some come in spending time pursuing you praying asking that you would meet with them others of us we've come in not even really thought about you lord please meet us where we are tonight please break through our hard hearts and our minds so that we might see you please let nothing be known in this place except jesus christ and him crucified and it's in jesus name we pray amen so here's what I want to do. I just want to take a few minutes together and we're just going to walk through this passage and there's four realities that, that Jesus gives us about us and then one reality that he gives us about him. And so I just want to walk through these and, and again, this is just kind of set our hearts in motion for what God's going to do this weekend. And the best way I know to do that um, is, is this way. Has anybody else in this room ever struggle with being distracted? Anybody in here, any ADD people are willing to admit it? I, I'm not ADD, but I do get distracted. Any, anybody in here lo lose your keys like more than once every few weeks? Anybody here ever do that? You lose your wallet. Um, anyone in here ever lost your homework? It wasn't your fault, but you just, the dog, okay, a lot, okay. Tracking with me? So I'm that person. You can ask my wife. I lose things all the time. Where are my glasses? Where are my keys? Where's my wallet? Where, you know, where's my car? All that kind of stuff. Like, I, I, I do that. And, and sometimes it's not a big deal, but sometimes it's a, a really big deal, right? You know, like, when you get distracted in your driving, like, that, that's not a good, a good thing. If you get distracted in the middle of a test, that's not a good thing. Well, the other morning, one of my jobs, and, and if you've been around, you maybe have heard me talk about the chili toast story. I'm not going to go there tonight, but uh, we'll save that for another time. But one of my jobs at home is uh, I get the kids' breakfast ready, and I get the kids' lunches ready before we take them to school. And I have to be careful because our oldest son, he's uh, celiac, so he can't have gluten. Any other people in here, like, you're, you, you're gluten-free? Okay, it's, it's okay. You don't have to be ashamed. It's all right. You know, he has peanut allergies, and so we have to be really careful with what he eats. And so you know, I'm getting breakfast ready, take care of that, you know, eggs, all that kind of stuff, gluten-free kind of deal. I'm making uh, 
soy nut butter and jelly sandwiches. Anybody getting hungry? Mmm, you know, so some soy nut butter. Uh, and so, you know, get the special bread out of the freezer and the jelly and put the thing together and all that kind of stuff. Send them out the door. My wife takes them to school. He gets back. Uh, my wife gets back and she looks at the counter and says, did you give Jack that bread? And I was like, yeah, I gave Jack that bread. Like I went and got out of the freezer, the special bread, and put it in there. She's like, that is not gluten-free bread. And again, if you know anything about being gluten intolerant, celiac, that's bad news. Like that's sick for the rest of the day kind of thing. So thankfully, my wife caught my mistake, switched sandwiches, got back to school, saved the day because she's awesome. That's what she does. Uh, but, but the point I, I want to make by bringing this up, because a lot of you guys said that you're distracted, easily distracted like I am, is that that morning I was just distracted by what I had to do. I was distracted by the day before and all that kind of stuff. Here's the point. In my distraction, I missed what was most important. Taking care of my son's health. Like, okay, so bad father of the year award. So I'll take that one this, tonight. And a lot of us, we're that way spiritually. We've got so much going on in our lives. We've got so much blowing up on our phones. We live in a constant state of distraction. Like, it's hard for us to focus in on what's going on around us because we're so tuned in to all the things that we can't see. And I don't know about you, but maybe you've just always, your mind's running and bouncing from this thing to that thing. And in this passage that we just read, Jesus is calling us to see past the distractions, to some realities, to some realities about the kingdom of God, to some realities about you and about me. And one of my biggest fears, and this is one of the things I've been praying against, we've been praying for you, we've been praying for you by name that God would move in your life this weekend, is that God would move the distractions. That the things that grab your heart, grab your mind, pull you away, that, that God would break past those things. And even this moment, I just want to encourage you throughout the, the course of the next few days to even turn the phone off and set it aside. Turn the iPad off. Like, put your watch on silent if you get the notifications. Put whatever draws you, your attention, your mind away. Set those things aside because there's something so much more important that we're going to be talking about this weekend. And so Jesus calls us out of being distracted to four realities about him, one reality, or four realities about us, one reality about him. And so let's just walk through these together. Here's the first one. The first reality is this. Everyone is living for a kingdom. Everyone's living for a kingdom. If you have your Bible still out, if you don't have one, there's one in the seat back in front of you. You can grab one. Jesus said this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But instead, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying this, every single person who has ever existed, he's saying this to his audience, but he's also saying this to us, every single person is living for a kingdom. There are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this world, and then there's the kingdom of heaven. And every single person is building, working, living for one of those two kingdoms. And this is what he says. He says, do not, so this is a warning, don't live for the kingdom that's on this world. 
He says, don't store up treasures on earth. That's the kingdom of us. That's the kingdom of this place that we live in. And he says, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. So he's talking about possessions. So there were a lot of valuable possessions in this time. Uh, one of those could be like clothes. And he's saying, if you store up for yourselves like the very best, like clothing, moth can destroy it. It goes out of style. It, it, it um, wears out. He's saying there's certain possessions during that time that they could rust. They could rust out. They, they would be precious metals, but they could be old. Or even if they couldn't be destroyed, even if they wouldn't be torn, they could always be stolen. So Jesus is saying, why would we invest our lives, invest our energy, invest our passion, invest our love, invest our money in things that can be taken from us? Saying, no, don't be foolish. Don't live for that. Live for something that's eternal. Live for something that lasts forever. Namely, God's kingdom. So what does that mean for us? Well, that means like there, there are several things that we tend to live our lives for. One of those things could be possessions. That's kind of what he's talking about in this passage. Maybe it's getting the newest phone or the newest game system or the nicest clothes or the newest car. And you can pour out your life for your possessions. Some few of your parents have done this. They've poured out their life, their money, their energy, their job to be able to accumulate all these things. The problem with things is that they break. You buy the newest phone and what happens the next day? A newer version comes out, right? You buy the newest game system. The next day, the newest one comes out. You buy the newest game system and your little brother destroys it, you know, whatever that is. Like, you get the nicest car and it gets wrecked, it gets dented, it gets scratched. Possessions always wear out. So if you live for possessions, you'll lose them. That leaves us in a rough spot. We can live for success. So maybe you're really good at sports or maybe you're really good at school and you're living for that A or that GPA. You're living for being the basketball scholarship or being awesome at whatever those things are. The problem with success is that there's always someone better than us, right? doesn't matter how good you are, there's always somebody better. An injury takes you out. Something takes you down. So if you live for success, you'll die from failure. For others, we live for approval. We want people to like us. We want them to laugh at us. They want, we want them to include us. We, we check Twitter, and, or you guys probably don't use Twitter anymore, sorry, Instagram and Snapchat and all those kinds of things. Constantly, Facebook, because you want to see how many likes that you've got and how many people have responded and commented to your comment about that person's comment about their cat eating whatever kind of deal. And you want to know, and you're in that, and and we, there's a part of us that longs to see people hit the like button. But the problem with living for approval is that everybody gets rejected, right? Everybody knows what it's like to get stabbed in the back. Everybody knows what it's like to have someone not be there for you when you want them to be there for you. I mean, if you know what that's like even for a parent to leave you. We understand rejection. We understand failure. We understand the loss of possessions. Some of us, we live for comfort and control. Like, we want to manage our lives. We want to control our lives. We want to protect ourselves. You know, the problem is, you can't control life. And so this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you live for these things, they're going to get taken from you. It's inevitable. Why? Because we live in a broken world with broken people. And we're one of those broken people, right? 
And so if you invest in the kingdom of self, in the kingdom of this world, in the kingdom of stuff, in the kingdom of approval, the kingdom of success, all those things are going to get ripped from your hands. And you and me, we're going to be standing left left with nothing. And you know what that feels like. You know what it feels like to really want someone's approval and them to let you down. You know what those things feel like. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I want to tell you a better way. Don't live for the things on earth. Live for the things in heaven. Live for the things of eternity. Live for the things of God. Live for the things that don't go away. Live for the things that don't wear out. Live for the things that people can't take from you. And no one can take joy in Jesus from you. And so the first thing he tells us about us is that everyone is living for a kingdom. And we all have to ask the question, what kingdom am I living for? If your best friend was to look at your life and they asked, were asked that question, hey, what kingdom do you think I'm living for? What would they say? Which leads us to our second reality about us. First reality, everyone was living for a kingdom. Second reality is this. Everyone has a treasure and that treasure has your heart. So not only do we live for a kingdom, everyone has a treasure and whatever we treasure has our heart. Look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there, you guys know it, your heart will be also. Whatever your treasure is, if your treasure is approval, your heart will crave approval. If your treasure is possessions, your heart will crave possessions. If your treasure is success and winning and achievement, your heart will crave achievement and success. And you will do anything and everything you can to get that. What, what do you treasure? What, what do you long for? What do you, what do you live for? Whatever you treasure most has your heart. I want to introduce you to one of my, my sons. His name's Camden. I think we have a picture of him in a Ninja Turtle shirt. Um, yeah, there we go. So, yeah, on the count of three, you can say, aw. One, two, three. Aw. Thankfully, he looks more like his mother than his father. Uh, and Camden is awesome. You can tell by his Ninja Turtle shirt that he is awesome. Um, and Camden has so many things that I, I love about him. Uh, but one of the things that, that he loves and that he cares about a lot, two things. One are rocks and the other are erasers, okay? And um, I know it's awesome, isn't it? And so sometimes you'll see Camden walking around with his fist clenched and that's because there's something small and tiny precious inside that fist that he's carrying around he wants to make sure he doesn't lose like he enjoys and he loves rock so much that for right before Christmas I was threatening our children that if they didn't start behaving that they would get a stocking full of coal and so my son Camden asked me dad what's coal I said well it's these black rocks he's like can I have coal for Christmas it's like that would be amazing please I was sharing this with some of our leaders, and, and an adult brought me coal the next week. I was like, you can give this to him. I was like, I don't know if that's the best thing for him to have. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But he loves, he loves these things. And again, when you see him, you will see him walking around with his hands gripped, and he will not let go if he's got something in his hands. And it's awesome. And, and this is the way that a lot of us live our lives. What we treasure has our heart and what we treasure we hold on to and we don't like to let go of 
If you treasure comfort and control, you will try to hold on to everything in your life and not let anyone else in. If you treasure approval, you're going to build up walls so people can't hurt you. If you treasure success, you're going to spend your time becoming the best because you don't want to lose. If you treasure stuff, you're going to protect your things. You're going to wash your car again and again and again, even though it's like really old and ugly because it's your car and it's your special thing or whatever that is. We do this. Whatever we treasure has our heart. Everyone has a kingdom, but everyone has a treasure. So the question is, for you and for me, is what is our treasure? What is our treasure? Jesus actually talks about treasure later on uh, in Matthew chapter 15. He talks about a guy, he's walking through a field, and he stumbles on a treasure. And when he stumbles upon this treasure, he goes back home and he takes all his possessions and he sells everything he has so that he can buy the field and get the treasure. Why does Jesus use that picture? Here's the point. Because whatever you treasure most, you will sacrifice anything and everything to have and to keep. And there's all, all of us have that thing. We will do anything and everything not to lose that. What do you treasure? What, what has your heart tonight? What kingdom are you building? What do you treasure? Here's the third thing that he says about us. Everyone is in need of spiritual sight. So everyone has a kingdom. Everyone has a treasure. And everyone's in need of spiritual sight. We'll keep going. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And so there was, there was kind of a common belief in that time, and we know that, that this isn't the way the body actually works, but there were people who believed that it was through your eyes that light came into your body, and so your body is illuminated through the coming through of your eye. And he's, Jesus is using this as a picture, and he's saying that if your eye is bad, how great is the darkness that's going to be in you? But if your eye is good, you can see. You know what's going on. How many of you in here, uh, honest enough, you say, like, I wear contacts, I wear glasses, I'm not ashamed of it, that kind of thing. Okay, so cool. So you, if, you have, if you're one of these people, and I'm obviously one of you, you've experienced the amazing reality of like when your sight gets really bad and you go to the eye doctor and you put glasses on for the first time. You guys know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden you don't see trees, you see leaves on trees. Like, I didn't know those were there. Or you don't see grass, you see blades of grass. You know, you go into McDonald's, we're like, oh wow, I didn't realize they had all that stuff on their menu. Or, you know, you're driving, like, I didn't realize that those actually spelled real words on those signs that you drive up to. You guys know the feeling. If you have bad eyesight, the way you see life is going to be distorted. And what Scripture tells us in many places, and what Jesus is saying here, is that all of us are spiritually blind apart from God. Our, our vision is distorted. We can't see the truth. We don't know what's right from wrong. And we think we know what's true, but we really don't know what's true. And we, we struggle that our vision gets distorted. I want to introduce you to another one of my kids. His name's Trip. Um, yeah, this, this is Trip. 
Um, again, thankfully it looks like his mom, not me, and she's in there. And uh, this, this was taken last fall. And Trip is awesome. He's two and a half years old. And we like the name Trip. You might say, why Trip? Because we like the name Trip. So he's Trip. Um, and yeah, he's, he's awesome. I was sharing with some of our, our church families past week. Like, even though he's cute, and he is cute, there, there is some rottenness in him. Just the other day, we were hanging out, and Trip's touching my face. He's like, Daddy, you, you have a beard on your face. It's like, yeah, Daddy's got a beard. And then he kind of looked at me and looked up, and he said, Daddy, you have a beard in your nose. (laughs) Take the knife in and stab and twist, right? It's like, come on, kid. And so anyway, he has this side to him. This past week was Valentine's Day, and they got home. They had all this candy, and Camden, who I showed you earlier, he had two boxes of the same type of candy, and Tripp wanted one. And Camden was in the other room, so Katie told him, go ask Camden if you can have one of these boxes of candy. So Tripp leaves, he comes back, and there's no box of candy. But his mouth is full of candy. And then his brother Camden comes down, and guess who he did not ask if he could have his candy? Mr. Trippers, he went out and he decided to go ahead and steal his brother's candy and eat it. And that night when he got home, Katie told me to ask him about it. I was like, Trip, did you steal your brother's candy? He smiled really big at me and he said, no. <laughs> no. Here, here's the point. If this little kid at two and a half, who's so innocent in so many ways, if his heart is twisted and broken... None of us have any hope, right? I don't have to know you because I know me. We're messed up on the inside. Many of us have been hurt. Many of us have had terrible things done to us. But you know what? We're pretty rotten ourselves. And Scripture talks about this, and Jesus is talking about this here. Look at, it. Look at what he says again about this. In verse 22, he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, if your eye is distorted, if you don't have on the right glasses, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light in you is darkness, how great is your darkness? Guys, I know this isn't good news, but apart from Jesus, the light in us is darkness. And it's great darkness. We're broken. We're messed up. The the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. It's incurably wicked. No one can know it. Uh, We like to watch Disney movies in our house. And if you like Disney, anybody here a Disney fan? Okay, you're, yeah, okay, cool. Some of you are still still, uh, not like anti-Disney. That's awesome. Uh, Disney owns Marvel, so if you like Marvel Studios, you like Disney, right? So if, if you've ever seen a Disney princess movie, do you know what like the theme of every single Disney princess movie is? Yes. Follow your heart. Be true to yourself. Follow the light within you. Well, that sounds really, really good, but there's only one problem. Jeremiah 17 says, man, our hearts are wicked. They're deceitful. Anybody ever struggle with like going back and forth on decisions that you're making? Like you try to decide on one thing, you move around, go back. We all do. Why? Because our hearts are, they're all over the place all the time. So everyone's living for a kingdom. Everyone has a treasure. And everyone is in need of spiritual sight. We, We are blind. We are in need of somebody to come open our eyes to see the truth about 
our reality. This comes, let's go to the fourth one. Everyone is ultimately loyal to someone. Everyone is loyal to someone. Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. So here's what Jesus, Jesus is driving to that, that we want to wrestle with tonight. Everybody's serving a kingdom. Everybody has a treasure. Everyone is in need of spiritual sight, but everyone is loyal to someone. And the point that Jesus is trying to make is this, is that you can't follow Jesus and be devoted to him and follow someone else and be devoted to them. You can't have it both ways. You either follow Jesus or you follow your heart. You either live for God's kingdom or you live for your kingdom. It's kind of like this. You can't be a Tennessee Vol fan. Any basketball Tennessee fans in the room like you guys are having a good season? You can't be a true Tennessee fan and be a Florida Gator fan, right? Like it doesn't work. It's incompatible. And I'll be honest, I am a Florida Gator fan, okay? So, yeah. I know, this is a really divided thing to say. So you, you, you're tracking with me, hang with me. You can feel the animosity in the room already, like the resentment in the room already. You can't be a true Florida fan and be a true Tennessee fan. You can't be a true dog lover and be a cat lover, okay? Agreed? Any cat lovers in the room? Okay, you guys are just strange. All right, any dog lovers in the room? All right. It will be a joy to hang out in heaven with you guys one day. Like, that, that's, that's awesome. No. Here's the point. Hang with me. Jesus is saying, you can't be partially in with me. You either love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might, or you're loving something else. And I don't know about you, but that's bad news. Anybody in here effectively love God with all their heart, all their soul, and all their mind since they were born every single day? I'm glad you didn't hold up your hand. That'd be awkward for all of us, right? Like, we, we, none of us have done that perfectly, right? So he, here's what Jesus is, is trying to say to the crowd. And it's the whole Sermon on the Mount he's saying this. He's saying, you know what? You're a whole lot worse off than you actually think you are. In Matthew 5, he talks about unless your righteousness, unless your good deeds, they exceed the Pharisees and the scribes, the very best religious people, you can't be a part of the God's kingdom. And here he's telling us we need to live for the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of earth, that we need to serve one master, God, and not any other master. And we all know that, man, our hearts don't do that. We chase other things. And the point of the Sermon on the Mount, it's to help us to see our need. It's to wake us up from our distraction to see that there is a kingdom and that we need to live for that kingdom. And God has called us to that kingdom. But it's also to wake us up and help us see that we can't live for that kingdom on our own. 
We need help. And that leads us to the last reality, and this is the reality about, about Jesus. That's Jesus is the better treasure, and Jesus is the one king. He is the one true king. And, and this whole Sermon on the Mount, Sermon of the King, is to help the audience see their need for a king. Their need to live for a kingdom. But he's also helping them see that he is the one who's going to do this for them. That while we chase treasures on earth, Jesus came from heaven to earth to live for the kingdom of heaven because we don't. While we chase treasures that capture our heart, that fade away, Jesus came to lay down his life to become the treasure for you and for me. That when we were blind in our sin and we couldn't see the truth, we couldn't follow God, we couldn't keep the law, we couldn't do it on our own, Jesus came and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the light of the world. He came to shine into our darkness, to open up our eyes to see the truth about God. And when we couldn't serve the right master and we chose to serve all these other things instead of serving God, he came and laid down his life. He was the true servant. And Jesus lived a sinless life. He died a perfect death in your place, in my place, so that he could save us, so that we could place our faith and trust in him and that we could actually live for God's kingdom. When we can make our own way, God made a way by sending his son for you and for I. For me, sorry, grammar. He did that. That the gap between us and God was so big that we couldn't cross it. We've, we've been going through Romans as a church. And we've been talking about just this gap between us and God. And it's kind of like if you were in California and you decided you wanted to swim to Japan. And you were going to race someone to swim to Japan. So that's the goal. We'll say three of you decide to go out on this race and the first person takes off and like they trip five feet in, like just bite the sand. Like they're done at that point. We'll say the second person, he makes it actually into the water, he swims a mile and gets eaten by sharks, okay? And then the third person's like the best swimmer in the world. They say they make it, let's say they make it 20 miles and then they drown. Sad story, right? Maybe the person who swam out 20 miles, maybe he made it further than everyone else, but you know what? The gap between that point in Japan is infinite, right? None of us can get to God. None of us can stand up to his holiness. None of us live lives that are good enough. So Jesus came down and he became the righteous one for us. He died in your place. He died in my place. And he rose from the grave again so that we could place our hope and faith in him and live for God's kingdom through Jesus Christ. He is the true king. And so the only way, as we get into this theme of kingdom come, the only way that you and I can live for God's kingdom is to come through Jesus. It's the only way. He has to become our treasure. Not the things of this world. He has to become our master. The one that we live for. And that happens through sacrifice. It happens through surrender. 
So here's, here's where I think we are. And this is kind of where I want to leave us tonight, okay? A lot to think through, a lot to wrestle with as we go into this night. A few questions. Question number one, what kingdom are you living for? What kingdom are you building with your life? Question number two, what do you treasure most? If that thing was ripped away from you, what would be the thing that would cause you the most pain? And who are you living for? Who are you living for? Who, who's your king? Are you living for the kingdom of you or are you living for the kingdom of God? Is Jesus your king or are you? You your king. See, here's, here's where I think a lot of us are tonight. I think there's probably gauging the size of the room, there's probably a lot of people in here that you've never, Jesus has never been your king. And you've chased this treasure and that treasure and this thing after that thing and approval and all that kind of stuff and every single time you hit a wall, you hit a dead end. Friends, what you're searching for is Jesus. He's the treasure in the field. He's the pearl of great price. He's the one your heart looks for. He's the one that you've been looking for this whole time. And when you can go to him, he came to you. And you can know him. He can become your savior tonight. Repenting of your sin, trusting in him. It's called faith. That can be yours tonight. You're at the crossroads of maybe even tonight is the first time or over the course of this weekend for the first time the blindness is going to be pulled off your eyes almost like a mask that gets pulled off your eyes and for the first time you see the truth of who Jesus is, who you are, your need for him, that he's the savior and you say, yes, I want that. And for some of you that's been our prayer. This week God would pull off the mask. that You would see for the first time. That's what we sang about earlier. I was in blindness all on my own. Head full of rocks, a heart full of stone. Jesus, Spirit, you made me see. That's what we're praying happens. For others of you, I think you're at a different set of crossroads. You come into this place, and maybe you are a Christian, but right now you're at the crossroad of a divided loyalty. You want to follow God. You want to follow Jesus. You want to live for his kingdom. But there's also something else that's really, really important to you. And you've been trying really, really hard to do both. I'm going to pursue this boyfriend with all my heart, and I'm going to try to pursue Jesus with all my heart. It doesn't work. I'm going to pursue being the best at this and following Jesus. It doesn't work. I want to go to this college, this university, this place because I think it will make me happy and I'll try to serve Jesus there. No, that's not the way it works. It's not Jesus plus something else equals living for God's kingdom. It's just Jesus. And so I think for a lot of you, you're going to be in this place tonight and over the next few days and you're at that crossroads. Do I surrender to Jesus or do I chase this dream? And what we want to say to you is it's time to lay down 
the lesser dream and chase the king. There's two guys. I want to leave you with two, two stories. One comes from Mark chapter 10. It's about a guy named the rich young ruler. That's all we know about him. He's a guy who wants to live for the kingdom of God. He's a guy that wants to have eternal life. And so he tries so hard that he keeps God's law. He, he meets Jesus and he says, Teacher, will you tell me what it means to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, we need to keep the commandments. And, and the guy says, I have since I was really young. Because I want to be with God. I want eternal life. And then Jesus looked at him and it says he loved him. He said, you've got one thing missing. You need to go sell everything that you have, give it away, and come and follow me. That guy was at the crossroads where he was either following Jesus or chasing his treasure. And it said that the man walked away with much sorrow because he had many possessions. Do you know where his treasure was? It's in his stuff. Instead of, instead of following Jesus, he chased it. There's another guy, his name's John the Baptist, and John the Baptist, you can read about him in John 1 through 3, and John the Baptist, he, he was an incredible man, an incredible ministry, and he loved God, and he wanted to make known Jesus made known. He wanted to make Jesus known, he can't speak. And he did, and Jesus came on the scene, and his whole ministry was to set up and prepare the way for Jesus. And when Jesus came, people began to follow Jesus instead of following him. In fact, some of his own disciples, the guys who were his best friends, who he invested in, they began following Jesus instead of following him. And so people began to ask John, like, John, the crowds are leaving you to go after Jesus. And then at that moment, John was at a crossroads. He could have said, no, I don't want him to go to Jesus. I want him to come to me. But you know what he did? Instead, he said, the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom shouts for joy when the bride and the bridegroom come together. It's my joy that he increases and I decrease. You know, for the rest of John's ministry, you know what began to happen? His popularity went down. Jesus' popularity went up. And John counted that gain. Here's the point. This is what, this is what Jesus said in Mark 8, 34. If anyone wants to come after me, if anyone wants to live for my kingdom, if anyone wants to make my name known, if anyone wants me to be their savior, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, Luke adds daily, and follow me. You've got to burn the ships. Dietrich Bonhoeffer used to say, or he said famously, that when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. Leave everything behind and follow me. Guys, a lot of you tonight and this weekend, you're at the crossroads. Am I going to follow Jesus? Or am I going to chase something else? Am I going to live for God's kingdom? Or am I going to live for my kingdom? And I just want to encourage you tonight. When you choose to follow Jesus, you're not choosing something lesser. You're choosing life. Jesus isn't just the king. He's a good king.
Jesus was rejected so you wouldn't have to be. Jesus was abused so you wouldn't have to be. Jesus was separated from the Father so you wouldn't have to be. And God wants you to follow him. Would you just bow your heads and and close your eyes and we'll we'll close this out and we're going to sing in just a minute and kind of enjoy some different things that are going to be happening tonight. I know it's a lot to take in. I know it's a lot to think about. And I just want to give you just a moment um, just to ask yourself those questions. Head bowed, eyes closed. The reason I ask you to do that is just so you won't be distracted by the person next to you. What kingdom are you living for? Who is your king? What do you treasure? What has your heart tonight? Are you standing at a crossroads tonight? And it's okay to be there. Uh, Again, I think most of us are there. Am I going to chase this or am I going to chase him? And our prayer for you this weekend is that you would chase Jesus. That you would let everything else go. Those dreams, those hopes, those desires, those fears... And look at the one who gave his life for you and say, I'm all in for your kingdom. Be it my life, be it my death. A lot of things are going to have to die in me and around me, but you're better. If that's your prayer tonight, I just want to give you a chance just to pray that prayer. I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy, but if, if you're here and you'd say, man, tonight I feel like I'm at the crossroads and I just want you to pray for me. Just raise your hand. No one looking around. I'm not going to ask you to stand or anything like that. But just, this is me. I feel like my life is at a crossroads and I need just someone to pray for me. Thanks, guys. You can put your hands down. Father, I just pray for my friends. Pray for us. That we would see you as the treasure we'd see you for what you are as our Savior, as our King, a good King, who instead of bringing justice down on us, you turn justice on yourself to rescue us, to redeem us. I just want to pray for my friends, uh, for anyone in this room who they don't know you, they've never had a personal relationship with you, they may have gone to church, they may have prayed a prayer, but you've never been Lord of their life. I just pray that even tonight, the course of this weekend that you would pull off the mask, you'd pull off the blinders, that you'd take them from blindness into light, that they would see you as the king, that they would trust in you. Please do that. And I just pray for my friends who they're trying to live for two kingdoms. They're trying to follow you and follow something else. They're chasing a dream. They're running from something instead of running toward that thing or running from something else, that they would turn to you. The author, the perfecter of our faith, the one who went before us. Lord, would you please do that in this place? Would you do that in our lives? Would you raise up a generation of young men and women who love you with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength? Who lay everything down, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. Please do that. 
Lord, we love you and we thank you that Jesus has made the way for that to be possible. And it's in your name we pray, amen.